1: Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, WCCO Radio's Paul Hodorwanek with me, and we have some defensive line talk to do. Paul, as we count down to training camp, we are just days away. How are you? I'm, I'm
0: great, Matt. Excited for training camp to start and some actual things to begin happening. It's so close; we can almost taste it at this point. So you'll be standing outside getting sunburnt next, starting next week. I'm excited. I hope I hope you have copious amounts of sunscreen for you and the group because it's 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 dangerous out there if you aren't prepared.
1: Yeah, there's really nowhere to hide from the sun out there at camp. Uh, even the fans in the stands, there's like one section where you can get in a little bit of shade, and then the other section you're just on your own. And for us, we're just standing out there. Uh, luckily, they do in the media room provide lots of different types. You got the spray on, you got the you know the regular type of sunscreen, so we're good. But to uh, really indicate where things are in the off season. Two headlines from the Vikings yesterday. One of them was that Justin Jefferson wants to be the best wide receiver in the league. Oh my gosh, he does? What? No, you know what? I really want to be sixth. That's where I want to be. How Do you want to be the best receiver in the league, Justin? I'm thinking seven-ish. Mm-hmm
0: yeah yeah i, yeah, that's I want to temper my expectations Man, if i could crack top 12 this year that'd be nice
1: i mean just like why was the say i saw that on nine different outlets and then the other one was ben lieber who was a guest of the show with will raggets a few weeks ago saying that uh, mike zimmer may not have liked kirk cousins oh my gosh paul did you hear about this like what wait zimmer Uh, And and the the best I'm going to tell you the best part of this is that. So, again, this is where somebody says something in an interview and then 19,000 outlets have to post it on their website so they can get whatever amounts of clicks. The aggregation game is very serious. And uh, the CBS Sports one was, I think, the best because the headline was ex-Vikings linebacker alleges Mike Zimmer did not respect Kirk Cousins alleges. The man told us. Did uh, you then, clear that
0: up for everyone right now, Matt? <laughs> Can we remove the alleged?
1: Yeah. What well, <laughs> you don't need sources for this one. Uh, and then uh it was one year ago, basically like five days from now, where Mike Zimmer said, My quarterback's not a leader because he won't get vaccinated. But what tipped you off? Uh, they just started having meetings last year after the guy had been here for four years. The, but the first line by the person on CBS sports is there's a new twist to the story involving. And I'm like a new twist. No, that's not a new twist, my friend. I'm sorry. That's, it's not a new twist, but uh, that's where we're at right now is that people are discovering, Hey, Vikings wear purple is basically what we're discovering uh, at this moment. So we will try to shed some new light on the defensive line that's where we're going to start so I've got five questions for you and I won't rant about ridiculous July headlines anymore one more thing though when someone gets a good Madden rating it's not a story it's not a story don't post it on your website no one cares oh my gosh Devonte Adams is a 99 okay great <laughs> good for him uh, all right. First question: defensive line. Defensive line, Paul. Focus. Mm-hmm. Yep, focus I'm yourself. I'm ready? You're out of control.
0: I <laughs> I got distracted by the Madden ratings. You know that. You know I'm I a know. big, big Madden ratings guy. So. Uh huh.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it's just like it's just like lists and predictions where it's like the the they put tredavius White as the fourth best corner. Well, my what favorite, do we do now? My Can favorite even ones play this year.
0: <laughs> my favorite ones are when they're ranked like. 72, and people are like, "Man, he should be an 80." It's like, "What are we getting mad at right now?" Like, "I like what's happening." Like, "Oh, he's a 58. This guy's at least a 71." It's like, "Okay, what?" Like, "I'm not gonna get mad at Armand Watts's rating on Madden. I don't know what it is, but I'm
1: sure someone is out there." See, this shows that you haven't played in a while because here's what I noticed. So I go back and play the old Maddens from time to time, and the old ones used to absolutely slaughter guys. They'd get like a 49 and you'd be like, oh man, tough. No one ever gets that now. Like no right. one, you have right. to be a practice squad player to get a bad rating. It's because they've been bullied into it. So guys that are super bad, get like a 72, like, come on, man. Jaleel Johnson is not a 78 or whatever. I mean, so here I am ranting about the, right. uh, the, right. the Madden rating, but they bullied Madden enough players i guess tweeted about the disrespect but that's the funny thing about all these you know these rankings and everything else which i guess are, are fun to do but it's like when people get upset about them like well, well what happens now can the guy not play if some if someone ranked him at a place that you don't agree with is, does he have to be that this year or <laughs> i don't know uh anyway I, i'll get to the defensive line <laughs> so um daniel hunter is where we have to begin here let's say paul that Daniil Hunter has a great year. This is not uh, so hard to see happening. And he signs a long-term contract extension. Where do you think he will finish his career among the all-time great defensive linemen if everything goes exactly to plan with Daniel Hunter?
0: I think he could be comfortably inside the top 10, um, maybe trying to push that top five, although I feel like that's a list that's pretty rarefied air at this point you just go through just very basic you go through total sack totals i mean he's at what's he at 60.5 um that's already good enough for ninth in vikings history at this point um and he's played 85 games like the guys above him one above him is uh let me see here doug martin has played 41 more games and daniel hunter just needs two more sacks to get above him so there's There's a lot of, if we're just going to go off counting statistics, he can easily climb into that kind of 100-sack range, which which would put him above Chris Dolman, right around Allen Page, and right in the top five in terms of historic Vikings seasons. Um, Obviously, you have guys like Kevin Williams, who doesn't have those counting stats, but is, at this point, a better player than him. So he's probably in the top 15 at the moment. Um, The Vikings just have so many iconic defensive line players that it feels hard, even if he just racks up the stats that you can put him up there. And I think, I think for him to get into that echelon, the team has to have a season where he's really good and the defense is really good and they play well. Like, I don't know if counting stats are enough for me to launch him above Jim Marshall, John Randall, Alan Page, Chris Dolman, like those, like Carl Eller, like those guys are iconic figures of a Minnesota defensive line. And I would say Daniil Hunter isn't even the iconic player of this modern defensive line. That's Everson Griffin. And so Daniil Hunter has been aided by Everson Griffin. So I think if he has another really great year and he continues into a long-term contract that he at least stays healthy for parts of it, like he's a lock to get like at least 80 sacks, probably pushing closer to 100. And then you're in some rarefied air. So off that alone, he's going to have to be in the top 10. But I think at some point, how much success you have with the team matters and your role with the team matters. And that defense matters. Like if he racks up 18 sacks, but the defense is just average this year, like it part of me thinks it can only go so far. So I think if he has a contract extension, he plays out the rest of his years just by sheer volume and kind of the rate he's at. If he stays around that, he's going to have some gaudy numbers at the end of his career. I'm just not sure it's going to stack up with, some of these really, really all-time great players. I think he can get ahead of Everson Griffin if he continues going. He can get ahead of Jared Allen if he continues going. But if that kind of – I feel like he's going to be at the top of that tier. Not, I don't know if he rises to that kind of great – again, the Dolmans, the Pages, the Randalls, the Marshalls. Those guys seem like a different beast that he would really have to be part of something special to get into that conversation.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I do think that Jared Allen and Everson Griffin are within his sights, but Chris Dolman would be pretty hard to match. I mean, Chris Dolman is a hall of famer, one of the greatest edge rushers of all time. And as a Viking, he ended up with 96 and a half sacks, which is not insanely far away from Daniil Hunter. It's like three, four seasons, but You know, Chris Dolman also had a career outside of Minnesota that was phenomenal too. Um, But just as a Viking, possibly, but Dolman was really a central figure to so many great defenses that would be a tougher one to reach. I mean, you're talking about basically Hunter having to, you know, add another 30 and a half sacks, which is probably like three, four seasons worth. I mean, he could get above him in sack total, but I'm not sure that like the iconic nature of Chris Dolman uh being a hall of famer. And then the other guys, there's exactly. just untouchables here. Um and and what's really cool is that Pro Football Reference did this incredible huge project to try to get the exact sack totals um by all the old players. And what they found was that Jim Marshall, not shockingly to anyone who watched him back in the day, is vastly underrated by not being in the hall of fame because he's second to Carl Eller all time. And then it's John Randall and Alan Page. I think those are the four absolute untouchables. Maybe he could approach Dolman as a Viking. And I think Jared Allen and Everson Griffin that you can uh, maybe exceed them. Um, Everson Griffin was kind of a bigger force, as far as like his personality and kind of how he was a magnetic you know type of person and a big leader for the team when they had the number 1 defense that puts him up there. Jared Allen had that 22 sack season. Like if Hunter continues to sort of be the quiet superstar uh who isn't really like talked about a lot in the NFL as the top edge rusher, there's always seems to have somebody else kind of coming and going that maybe the way we'll remember him Is more among those guys, even if his numbers end up turning out to be a little better. But I do think you bring up an interesting point about Griffin, where, you know, Hunter had so many good years with Griffin on the other side. He'll have Zadarius Smith this year, but I think he did benefit from having Everson Griffin on the other side, but also kind of was moved to the back, um, you know, because Griffin just drew more attention. The thing about someone like Kevin Williams is, like, he doesn't have, like you said, as many sacks or he's got right now about the same number of sacks but you know it'll be easily passed playing defensive tackle and i think a six-time all pro that's another echelon too right there from kevin williams where he could be in a hall of fame as well it's a different position other than edge rusher but i think it's very possible fully healthy long-term contract extension he plays at his peak performance for another five years that we're saying yeah he was a better viking than jared allen a better viking maybe than everson griffin and right in that same ballpark as uh as chris dolman
0: yeah and pro football reference also does something called approximate value which tries to kind of put a number on what someone's player value was and kevin williams is one of those guys he's his approximate value is 120 which is right up with those top five guys right in that dolman range so that's kind of it's it's hard with defensive line stats because you just focus so much on the sack numbers you're not looking at the like kevin williams didn't have we didn't have a run stop win rate to go with with kevin williams for you to understand how much he helped in the run game and how much he helped in those ideas like those things just weren't there a lot of those numbers that we can now try to help quantify what, what an interior defensive lineman can do and how much they can help a team. Like we didn't have those then. So I think approximate value does a decent job of at least getting you in a ballpark. And Daniel hunters is much lower than everyone around him, but that's only because he hasn't been playing very long. So as he continues to play, that's going to ramp up, but yeah, that Williams Dolman kind of range seems like right now, his ceiling, unless he can be part of a really great run for a while and unless he can kind of, recreate this second act of his career without an Everson Griffin on his side that he can prove like, Hey, I can do this. Like Everson Griffin was getting, even with Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin was getting a decent amount of double teams the last few years when he was really good, like Daniel Hunter for how dangerous he was, wasn't always the main focal point of what an offense was trying to curtail. So now that he is, can he overcome that? Can he be really, really good? I think that's when you start jumping into can he pass Jared Allen? Can he pass that Everson Griffin? And then at that point, then then he's really special. But I think already with what he's done so far with the gaudy numbers in his career, at minimum, if he just plays at a base level, he's going to be right at that top 10 mark already in his career, which at this point, I mean, when did he come to the league? 2015? So it's six or seven seasons at this point to already be considered right around a top 10 at your position with a, a franchise that has some some pretty historic guys in that range is, is pretty special in telling of what he's already been able to do. So I wouldn't count him out from getting kind of right into that fringe top five
1: and to have done it while missing a full season and a half, Um, but you're right by approximate value. It would be very tough for him to catch Kevin Williams and to catch uh, Chris Dolman, but everybody else is pretty much within reach. And I, I think that there's like, as we lay out percentages for scenarios, I would say there's a coin flips chance that 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 comes to fruition, that he has a great year this year and they end up signing him to a long term contract extension. He's here for a very long time and he's considered ring of honor. One of the great players to ever play for the Vikings. There's also the the health part of it that he's saying, well, the torn pec is fine. It's like, right. But that neck wasn't that long ago. And these things start to add up. So that's one of the main storylines of training camp is do you know Zadarius Smith and uh, Daniel Hunter get through it healthy? Uh, next question for you, which is um, somewhat related to that. Who is the most likely defensive lineman not named Daniel Hunter or Zadarius Smith to rise to the occasion and be very good? It does not have to be a defensive end, it can be any defensive line position. So the guy that is not named Zadarius or Daniil Hunter that we end up saying at the end of the year, wow, I mean, that guy had a great season.
0: Yeah, I I think if you would have limited this to defensive like edge players, we wouldn't have had much to go off of. Um, Just going through the depth chart again, um, not that I don't look at it frequently, but just looked at that and said, wow, okay. Sometimes I forget that they're an injury away again from DJ Wanham playing a ton of snaps and for just some bad things to happen. So the most likely that I see is Harrison Phillips uh, for this defense. That feels like the number one uh, for me. And to this, for me, this question really came down to Phillips and Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, And to me, I think Phillips has the edge. Uh, Last season, he finished eighth in ESPN's, again, this run stop win rate, uh, 41%. So a top five interior defensive lineman in stopping the run. And I think generally, if he has a really good season, it might not be something we talk about, much because he's not going to push the passer a ton, but you're just going to see it pop up because their run defense is going to be better. They're going to not be giving up these gaping holes. And again, not a not a type of role that gets a ton of shine, but I think he's going to be a big reason if that happens. And again, kind of pitting Tomlinson and Phillips against each other, Tomlinson has a better body of work over his seasons, but Phillips, I think, is trending in a better direction. Uh, you know, Tomlinson saw a decrease in stops, pressures, and tackles last season. His missed tackle percentage went up. Meanwhile, Phillips saw increased playing time, big, kind of big snaps for the one of the first times in his career. His PFF grades went up. So even as he continued to play more, uh, his PFF grades stayed solid and actually rose. He finished with more stops than Tomlinson. He finished with a lower missed tackle percentage than Tomlinson and had slightly more pressures. And I think One thing that's just kind of important to to note is Phillips finished pretty strongly to the season for the bills last year through the first nine games. I think he only had six pressures in the last seven. He had 19. So again, this guy isn't going to be mistaked for this big pass rusher, but he had at least two pressures in each of the last seven games. He had a six pressure game. Like, so there's some ability for him to do that. And he showcased that really consistently at the end of the season and into the playoffs. And so again, not a high bar, but I think, he's kind of showing a little bit more pass rushing chops than Dalvin Tomlinson has. And I think another big point is this regime brought him in Tomlinson's a holdover. And so I would say Phillips gets the first opportunity and the most opportunities to be really good. And it's a guy they brought in specifically to fit the system. Now that doesn't mean Dalvin Tomlinson can't fit the system. Uh, he's had experience in doing that in the past, but they specifically brought in Harrison Phillips. And so I think all those factors for me, Give me the edge, although Phillips has been a streakier, just less proven player than Dalvin Tomlinson has. I think Harrison Phillips fits the mold of a guy who's trending well last year and can play a, a solid role on this team. And I don't, I don't know if there's a good answer for someone who broke out for 10 or 11 sacks. So I think this has to be kind of one of those value guys who's just steady and solid and hopefully fills gaps so you can have Zayary Smith and Neil Hunter pin their ears back. Uh, and go like, I think Harrison Phillips playing well is kind of a force multiplier for the rest of the defensive line to, to be what they want to be.
1: Folks, want to remind you to go to sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Use the promo code Purple Insider for 15% off your purchase. It is summertime. It's baseball season. They have all sorts of great Minnesota baseball gear. And if you are prepping for training camp, get your Purple People Eaters shirt, your Can't Stop the Thielen hat and all sorts of other great football designs. Go there, sodastick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, promo code PURPLEINSIDER for 15% off. Yeah, in terms of uh, expected points added last year, the Vikings were one of the worst run defensive teams in the entire league. And though we talk about the running game as if it doesn't matter at all, uh, there's truth to that for sure. Because if you're horrible at run defense, you can survive. If you're horrible at pass defense, you're going to get run off the field, but the Vikings lost several games purely based on their inability to stop teams from running the football. The Rams game really stands out to me. I mean, that's a game where Matt Stafford throws three picks um, the, the Browns game where Baker Mayfield didn't play well at all. And yet the Browns hold the ball for 40 minutes because they just kept running. I mean, it felt like a game from, you know, 1991 or something, but if you don't stop the run still in the NFL, teams are happy to just keep getting five, six, seven yards against you and bringing in Harrison Phillips is their main solution to that, uh, to go along with Delvin Tomlinson. I remember last year, you know, some people asking like, and this is, this is part of this is. Like, well, I mean, PFF is grading Tomlinson well, but, you know, people are running all over them. And that's that's where it really becomes a complete unit type of thing where the front seven or, you know, whoever, depending on how many linebackers you play and so forth. Like they really have to all work together to stop the run because last year, you know, you had Sheldon Richardson out there who is historically a very bad run defender. Um, Everson Griffin was rushing the passer excellently, but it was not stopping the run wasn't really in there to be a run stopper anymore at his state, you know, into his 30s. He was pretty much go get the passer. And I think that that opened a lot of things. And then when you got to the second level of the Vikings defense, which remains an issue that there's just nobody like the the backups, nobody who was going to shut down the running game. And uh, this is where, right. It it makes it hard to say, well, there's a dark horse here. It's blank because there, there really doesn't appear to be at this moment. That person has to emerge. I guess I would throw out Armand Watts into this mix as somebody who got a handful of sacks last year showed an ability to get to the passer, but they were asking him to play too much. Like he just can't stop the run. He's not that kind of guy, but he can get after the passer. So if he's in, in sort of a rotational role, he can be, um, you know, favorite of the show, Tom Johnson type of player for them. That rotates in with Harrison Phillips. I mean, it's key to look at the number of snaps for Phillips and Tomlinson I mean they don't play more than 600 snaps usually there's like 11 or 1200 to go around in the in the trenches so you're going to have to have other people mix into there there's one guy that I'm a little mildly intrigued by that it just goes off of a comment by the outside linebackers coach Mike Smith because they have an outside linebackers coach And he was talking about Patrick Jones and how he felt like Patrick Jones had the best like get off on the team, you know, just like off the snap and how quick he is quick twitch and such. And I guess that caught my ear a little bit because Patrick Jones might profile a little more as someone who rushes like way outside side stand-up rusher then he would be this complete player that Mike Zimmer was always looking for for those edge rushers who could play all three downs and he almost never rotated edge rushers in as I wouldn't either with Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter but uh you know if you're asking someone like Patrick Jones Janarius Robinson didn't play at all last year because he was hurt so he's essentially a rookie this year those guys are kind of interesting um but not exactly somebody that you would bet on to take the next big step. But I do think in this type of defense that Armand Watts is going to get plenty of opportunities because when it's third and eight, you are not having Tomlinson and Harrison Phillips out there. You're going to want to have your rushers. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if you see someone like Patrick Jones and then Zadarius Smith rushes over the guard and they've got Armand Watts and Daniel Hunter out there. I think there will be like that type of package. Mike Zimmer did this with, um, Brian Robinson and uh, Tom Johnson. But I, I think that they'll do something similar to that that might involve Patrick Jones if he looks good in training. Game.
0: Yeah. And I think <clears throat> this position group is kind of another, maybe more low key one when we look at Zimmer and Spielman trying to win right away and playing the guys and signing guys to kind of fill holes and to just be good right away. So I know you don't want to take Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter off the field at any point, but you look behind them now at the, full like mid round picks that they continued to throw at defensive linemen and you gave none of them run. And so this is a hard question because like the only guy that has gotten some run is DJ Wanham at this point. And I think, you know, he kind of got the absolute most out of what he did last year in terms of sack numbers. And so I don't know how much more of a jump he can take from kind of what he was last year, which was capitalized on some opportunities to get some sacks, but by and large, wasn't a very successful, every downs like defensive lineman um there's just a lot of these guys you don't really know if they can do much Patrick Jones Kenny Willick is like there's there's tons of these guys that they've had on this team in the past that they've just kind of sashed and then never uh, <clears throat> never brought out and so maybe one of them emerges but they haven't really been put in the position to where they've played a, you know a, some snaps gotten their gotten their feet wet and are now gonna gonna take that jump. Like Armand Watts feels like the only one potentially, but with the depth chart, he might just again be asked to do too much to where that doesn't work. So it's kind of one of the more low key positions I think you can look at and say, Zimmer and Spielman maybe sacrifice some future for now. And now this new regime kind of has to figure out, pick up the pieces with some of the some of the guys that never got much run and see if they can get something to get something to happen.
1: And uh, with Willickis, so he was he was waived with an injury designation and uh, we never got really any explanation right. of what happened there. But um, that really shows you the Willickis thing sort of shows you how there was almost nothing there because he had the most success out of anyone in tiny sample size. And it's just like, I mean, this is a seventh rounder who was 25 years old or whatever, like not right. anybody uh, with huge potential. And they kept taking that mid-round swing and it just never worked. And so this is a part of the team that they're going to have to fill out. But when you're spending so much money at quarterback, but also at wide receiver with Adam Thielen, at safety with Harrison Smith, um, linebacker with Eric Kendricks, like there's a you know a lot of depth that gets sacrificed at that point. And you got to hope that these developmental players step up and there is still an opportunity for that to happen, but they're going to have to do that pretty much in this camp. Um, for, for almost everybody, because they didn't draft anyone high to be that like next person who's developing. So it's, Hey, it's on you, Patrick Jones, Janarius Robinson. And, uh, like shout out also to the data when it comes to DJ Wanham, because years ago, we would have looked at that sack total and we would have gone, wow. I mean, they've just got another guy here. Uh, but we can watch all the tape back and we can look at what the numbers say. And the pass rush win rate for DJ Wanham was one of the worst in the league. His PFF grade was one of the worst in the league. And, and that really matches up to how you saw him get the sacks, like a lot of cleanup sacks, not a lot of like straight up beating guys. So you don't feel like that's really depth. Now he can get better when it comes to those things. He might even have a better year and fewer sacks. But um, I think that that's not super promising after a couple of seasons. Uh, next question for you, Paul, if everyone remains healthy on this D line, where would you rank it? amongst the NFL
0: yeah I think if they all stay healthy this is a fringe top 10 unit to me um I think we have a tendency to look at Zedaria Smith and Daniel Hunter and go oh man that's those are two of the best guys they got to be top five and it's like well did you did you look at who else is in the league like this is the age-old question where you're like oh this is a top five player and you're like well I mean they're really good like they might be at like Oh, Dak Prescott's a top five quarterback. Well, like, I mean, can you name all these quarterbacks now? So he's probably not. That doesn't mean he's not good. That just means there's a lot of other good lines. So, I mean, just like going through them, like Rams are going to be better with Aaron Donald and co. The Commanders, Josh Allen, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, they're going to be better. Chargers have Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack. 49ers have Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead. Bucks have Shaq Barrick, Vita Vea, Keem Hicks. Steelers have TJ Watt, Cam Hayward. The Packers have Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, two new draft picks. Like when you go through it, like that's seven teams right there. And then I'm not even mentioning the Eagles, Raiders, Cowboys, Browns, Cardinals, and Bills, who were all top 10 in defensive line PFF grade last year. So those, that's like 14, 15 teams uh, before you get to the Vikings. Now, the Vikings, if healthy, will be better than where they were last season. But I think generally we just talked about their lack of depth. Even if they stay healthy, they still got to rotate guys. They still, it's not, it's not sustainable. If they keep those guys healthy, it's because they didn't run them out there every snap and have them play every single time. Like you'd think if these guys stay healthy, it's probably because they've done some rotating and just generally the Vikings don't have a ton of depth for that. So I think the talent with Smith and Hunter are immense And if they play really well, they can be that, you know, eight to 12 range, I think. And, you know, adjusting for some variance, is there a top, uh, is there a fifth, like fifth best season in there? I think so. But I think even if they're all healthy, there's also a scenario where they're still only like 14th. So I think that range, if they stay healthy is top 10 ish, right, right in that back end eight to 12 range. Uh, I think that's kind of most likely if that's, If, if they stay healthy, I feel like that's where they are. And I don't think that's anything to scoff at. That's, that's a good spot to be. Uh, And if you're playing well, again, it doesn't necessarily matter where you stack up uh, to all these other teams that have really, really good pass rush units. So if you're affecting the game, I don't care if you're 13th or eighth or whatever.
1: Yeah. The biggest thing is the interior pressure. They just will not have it. And you, I don't think you can rank them among the teams that have a superstar at defensive tackle rushing the passer when you go to you know the pressures from last year Aaron Donald of course ran away from everybody but you mentioned Jonathan Allen from Washington Chris Jones Kenny Clark Jeffrey Simmons from Tennessee um cam hayward i mean these are all guys who had more than 50 pressures ark armstead from san francisco who's incredibly good and they have bosa as well uh deforest buckner in indianapolis like there's a lot of really good i mean how about like leonard williams and dexter lawrence two guys who are excellent vita vea like i i think you're right that we always do this where it's like well you know it's it's your team so you sort of give them a little more credit i think it is a, a good unit And if you combine, but the problem is a little bit though, if you combine for even like 25 sacks between Zadarius Smith and uh, Daniil Hunter, you're probably only getting like five more out of Harrison Phillips and Delvin Tomlinson. And it's just teams throw on first down. And if those guys are playing every single first down, you're not getting the same amount of pressure as, of course, an Aaron Donald, but even like a Cam Hayward, who I think is the most valuable player on Pittsburgh's defense. And, you know, some other guys, Chris Jones has been super valuable for the Kansas city chiefs in the past. I mean, the Raiders, they had Max Crosby, who I believe was number one in pressures last year and then added Chandler Jones to that mix. So they, I mean, there's a, right. There's a lot of absolute freaks. This is why it's so hard to have a good offensive line. There's a lot of absolute freaks. And I, I would say that having a decent offensive or a defensive line is probably where we should categorize it right now, especially knowing that if anybody goes down, even for three or four games, you're talking about a humongous drop off. And that's just like, these are the things that you have to give up when you pay everybody is you just can't go out and sign that veteran pass rusher. Now, I they did look into Indomic and Sue. I don't know if that's gonna happen or not. So that might help them a little. That wouldn't change my rating much for where they stand because I don't know what Sue has left. But like with the remaining couple of dollars that they have, it might be a good idea to add one more veteran defensive lineman, knowing that you don't have anybody that's proven uh to maybe just bolster that depth a little bit. But I think, yeah, I think that maybe 10th. To 12th is probably where I would end up. And I I do wonder if as we go along in the season, we say, you know, hey, their you know, defensive line is stopping the run better and and is valuable, but at the same time, you know, you don't have that rush from the interior where the edge rushers are just sort of getting pushed aside. And now Mike Smith did say that they want to line up Hunter over guards, they want to line up Zadari Smith over guards. I get that, but you can only really do that in pass rush situations you can't really do that in a first down and 10 where the other team's going to run and you have your two defensive tackles in. So, you know, and that's not, I mean, it's sort of, I've been, you know, chuckling a little bit at the number of quotes, just going back through, just prepping for training camp. And they're like, well, we're doing this all new thing. It's like, well, that's actually not that new. I mean, Mike Zimmer always did that. He always rotated in defensive ends and stuff and rushed them over the guards. So that's not like a shocking thing that you're doing. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But I think that, I think that that's probably the right range to talk about this defensive line. Now, here's what I want to know from you talking about the rest of the league. On the Vikings' schedule, which opposing defensive line would you be most concerned about smushing Kirk Cousins? Because this is a thing, right? Like it, Historically, you can predict when the Vikings are going to lose a game based on how good the other team's defensive line is.
0: Yeah, I, I think... I mean, there are a couple that we just named that I named above, like when we talked about the Packers having one of the best ones, I think they're obviously going to have to play them twice. The one that kind of just sneaky feels like the game, he's going to get smushed and it's a game. The Vikings will probably could and should win is week nine at Washington. Um, We just talked about Jonathan Allen. Uh, As much as the Vikings miss a big Jonathan Allen presence in a defensive line unit, they also miss a guy that can stop. Someone like that, Uh, Jonathan Helen, just wreaking havoc in the interior of the Vikings. uh, Offensive line, Wall, Chase Young is on the outside and Montez Sweat's on the outside. Feels like a recipe for disaster. You know, They're playing the Bills the following week. They're going to Washington. Uh, Part of me just thinks this week nine game, it's probably going to be a pivotal game. They're probably going to be right around 500. It's going to be another one of those swing games in the season. And I can just see Kirk Cousins returning to Washington and just getting demolished by the Washington defensive line while Carson Wentz puts up 13 points. And that might be enough to win the game. Like I can, I can just envision this game playing out like Washington, Minnesota is not going to have the best Fox broadcast. It's going to be like the third broadcast team uh, out there, just call in this game. And it's going to be one of those just, just, gross, gro- grotesque game. So that's the one I've earmarked already is Washington wreaking havoc with the Vikings and maybe making that more of a game than the Vikings would like it to be.
1: Marv Albert not knowing who the players right. are at this point. Right. <laughs> you know, that's that was sure. pretty common. Um, Yeah, so I think that it, the same division actually has two other nominations. Um, One is Philadelphia week two because it's where the pressure comes from that always concerns me. I think at tackle, they're going to be good. Uh, but on the interior, you have Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox in week two. And those guys, Javon Hargrave was one of the highest graded by PFF and one of the highest. in. Uh, he had the same number of pressures as Cam Hayward last year and was very close to the top of the league. I mean, that's a guy that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. But that interior, it's Garrett Bradbury. It's Chris or Jesse Davis. It's Ezra Cleveland, who everyone's hoping takes another step. And right away, they have to go against... Kenny Clark and then the next week Fletcher Cox and uh Javon Hargrave like that's going to be really tough especially when they haven't like adapted to each other yet and they're just coming right out of the gate and yeah th- then down the road toward the end of the season and this is where if someone gets hurt that's like depth on the offensive line not particularly good are you talking about you know putting in rookies or something like that if that ends up having to happen and then you have to face you know, Leonard Williams, then you have to face, uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence, like really good, um, defensive interior linemen. So I think that probably we look at the schedule and say by getting the NFC East, you got a a pretty good situation. Like that's a division you would have picked out of the rest of the NFC. uh, Well, the South probably would have been your first pick, but then the East is next. You don't want to play the West uh but you know they they don't match up particularly well like you know if you're talking about the star interior rushers i think there's a lot to be worried about there
0: yeah i i the eagles was the other one that i kind of earmarked but i don't i also think the packers are going to be tough again for the the next couple for these next couple of years uh in that defensive line room obviously they lose uh zedarius smith but they keep everyone else and they've had that internal development of guys coming up and, and playing well. And they just added a couple more uh, top draft picks to the defensive line room. So I think they've certainly done that to the Vikings in the past, the Packers have. And I think they're going to have to play them twice, including right away, first game of the season when everyone's still figuring this all out. And so I I think the Packers are going to be uh, uh, another one that the Vikings are really gonna have to worry about. And they're obviously gonna have to do deal with it twice. So that. I could bite them early in the season and very late in
1: the season. And that's why this uh, right guard competition, though I jest occasionally about how dramatic it's going to be, really does matter. Um, I think Jesse Davis is probably the favorite for that right now. But I mean, if you're the Vikings, you probably really want to see your second round draft pick pick beat out these veteran players and show a high ceiling and show that he could be a top-notch pass blocker because they really need that. And neither Jesse Davis or Chris Reed is like an outstanding pass blocker at right guard. Uh, okay. Let's wrap up on this. Let's just talk about some random Vikings defensive linemen. I sent you the list. You You've got all the defensive linemen as far as sacks and things like that for Vikings history. When you scroll through the list, who stuck out to you as random Vikings defensive linemen?
0: Uh you know, this is when my, my lack of long-term knowledge, you're going to run circles around me here, which is part of the reason why I think you did this is just for us to laugh at the people that I don't know here. Um, Cause they're going down this list. I was going through the career sack leaders and I was like, man, I do not know so many of these guys. Um, so I, this is hard for me, but I, Random guys. I'm just I'm scrolling through like I I do not know who or no I do this name rings a bell. Uh, Knechi Udesi.
1: Do you know who that is? I don't. Okay. Uh, I don't I don't remember uh, him. Okay. Particularly, I'm sure that seven
0: Vikings. You're not all up in that.
1: Uh yeah, I'm trying to think like where I where I know the name from. Um, uh, because you know our friend Eric Eager talks about these guys. That was like his era. Was he right. he was he was a first round draft pick I think right is that right well we're gonna pull up his page here
0: and we're gonna we're certainly gonna find out kanechi Udezi was a yes first round pick 2004, <laughs> 20th overall played 51 <laughs> right. games 11 sacks
1: because they had yeah they had some first round draft picks that were like defensive lineman that just immediately went bad or, or fairly high draft picks like another one was uh, erasmus james who was okay. taken in the first round also what year was that that was uh, 2005 so they took these guys in what 2004 2005 neither one of them lasted more than four years in the league with two defensive ends that are drafted in the first round tough that's tough tough, tough breaks yeah that's really tough Right. We're making fun of them for drafting guys in the third and fourth round, but imagine drafting two first rounders. See, when I go through it, I look for names of guys that I've covered more, but then there are some, some ones that, you know, show up that like Chris Claiborne or something like random players, or I guess he was a linebacker, like random players that played for other teams that just showed up for the Vikings for a year or two is, is always a great one from back in the day. But then I think about like, guys that I will have covered and then go like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Jaleel Johnson is on this list. The Yannick Ngakwe thing is absolutely classic. He shows up, leads the team in sacks and then in like five games, six games that had five sacks. And I think he was the, either the team leader or was second on the team for that entire season in sack total. I mean, stuff like that is, is amazing. Guys yeah. who just show up like very briefly, but you can even pick, like, you don't have to pick the most random guys. Like, Sheree Floyd is another first-round guy. that what-could-have-been guy. yeah, what-could-have-been. But also one of the funniest stories with uh, Courtney Cronin where she kept asking Rick Spielman what was going on with Sheree Floyd, and Rick would not answer her. So I was like, say his name different and see if it throws off Rick. <laughs> call him call him Sheriff F. Floyd and see if Rick gets confused. Uh, that, yeah, that didn't work. Um, Roy Barker. Like, there's some of these guys who – I swear like played for you remember like when no, you don't Cleveland became Definitely an expansion don't. team and I swear they took half the Vikings defense. And that was really funny. So Dwayne Clemens, that was and a he, guy. Yeah. He was pretty and good. And even just like, I mean, we did our appreciation for
0: Tom Johnson, but he's top 25 in sacks all time for what he's done for the Vikings. Just a couple years. I, that was like, I wouldn't have thought he was that high, but he's super high. Um, Even some like, Some non, because this list you gave me was just all, or I got all the sacks. So there's even some like linebackers who did some pretty good stuff. I have a signed EJ Henderson football linebacker from a Mankato training camp that I went to in like 2012. So not a defensive lineman, but EJ Henderson is close to my heart in that regard. I did lose that football. So that was tough.
1: I Sorry, EJ, if you're listening. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's tough. Maybe you can send me another one if you're a listener, but...
1: (laughs) he's still out there doing it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like, like Lance Johnstone is a, is a classic guy that like played, played for other teams and would be known as a Raider, but then like spent a good amount of time. It was actually really good for the Vikings, but would probably be known better as a Raider. That sounds sounds like like a fake name.
0: I I probably should know who Lance Johnstone is, but I don't. And that sounds like you just made that name up. So, Uh,
1: you know, he played from oh one one to oh five five with the Vikings got 40 sacks in that time. So he was pretty good. But there's there's a lot of the, the name game is the best. I mean Chris Hovan Al Noga. Like you just got you just got some, some absolute Neil, gems here. Neil Elshire. <laughs> Talents Sawyer. Oh, yeah. Like somebody I, there's a tweet where somebody said if you're writing a novel, like don't feel bad for the names that you make up because, like, look at real people's names. <laughs> if you wrote a book and your main character was named Talents Sawyer. The editor would just be like, come on, what is it? What is what is these words? What are these letters? So Rip Hawkins. Rip Hawkins. Yes. The, the old ripster. So <laughs> he was yeah. a linebacker. Yes. uh anyway, yeah, Jason Fisk was this big like nose tackle. Yes. Yeah. There see, you have I hope this brought some people back. Yes. Yeah, Jamie
0: not a throwback to our boy. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. How many yeah, sacks yeah. did he have? Like three. He had more, two, had two and more, a half. <laughs> yeah. More emojis that he tweeted out than he had uh sacks. I, <laughs> I think he was in the USFL this year. Hercule's was he? Mata All right. Yeah. Well. You know her, this is another podcast, but like, Oh, Bryce pop playing here is amazing. Like one of us, I think he's from Minnesota and uh, he was like great with the bills one year. But um you know, there's, there's this list of people who randomly became very popular with Vikings fans during training camp and preseason. And Hercules Mataafa is like way up there in the, in the hall of fame of absurd players who are never good and never showed a thing, but yet became very popular with people because they wanted to be the ones that guessed that he would be good, I guess. So,
0: I mean, his name was there, undersized defensive lineman. You always get excited. Maybe he could be you the know, next, little,
1: Randall.
0: Yeah, a little twitchy pass rusher. <laughs> His name's Hercules. What are we doing here? He's kind of got, he's <laughs> got a cool look to him. Like that's. I mean, those are all the. To be honest, you got a probably fifty percent hit rate with training camp yeah. guys. That's just your barometer, and you just happen to be on the fifty percent of the side that just can't do anything
1: ever. Yeah, and also I think PFF like was high on him. So if if anything or person is high on something Viking related, like when Chris Sims liked Kellen Mond, people will just keep going back to it. Like, well, somebody liked him. <laughs> like, yeah, For I guess Tayshon Bauer. We'll, oh we'll yeah, about, we'll hear
0: about Tayshawn Bauer in a Mr. Mankato column coming up here soon. But nice guy.
1: Nice loved guy. Th- Love talking with Tayshawn Bauer. He never played, but he's really one, nice. Guy. One sack. <laughs> in. Four I remember with the team. <laughs> in, in uh, 2017, Tayshaun Bauer, they had beaten like the Rams or something. And it was like a huge win. And he tweeted out like, why am I not playing more? And I was like, bro, because <laughs> they have Everson Griffin who plays your job. That's why these guys get away from the Twitter. It was never good. Oh, man. So yeah, anyway. Tayshon
0: Bauer and Cam Bynum have the same amount of sacks. So take that <laughs> Tayshon Bauer
1: uh thanks for your time paul as always uh this was very fun and we are very close to training camp so i will talk to you all soon thanks paul